Hi again, everybody. I'm Dan Horde, and thanks for downloading the Bengals Booth Podcast. The Sweet Dreams Are Made of This edition, as the Bengals not only beat the dreaded, hated, but grudgingly respected Pittsburgh Steelers, they pummeled Pittsburgh. They pulverized Pittsburgh. They pounded Pittsburgh. Enough alliteration. You get the picture. Coming up, you'll hear radio replays from a 31-point win, post-game comments from players and coaches, and analysis from my broadcast partner, Dave Lapham. Then, in this week's Fun Facts segment, you'll hear Larry Ogunjobi describe his remarkable road to the NFL. It's well worth your time. The Bengals Booth Podcast is presented by Ultimate Bengals, the free-to-play next-level fantasy football game. Downloaded now from the App Store and Google Play. And here's a quick reminder that you can have the latest edition of this podcast delivered right to your phone, tablet, or computer by subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. It's the greatest thing since air traffic control. I was on a lot of planes last week from Cincinnati to Las Vegas, Vegas to Kansas City, KC back home. Then after a one-day break, back on a plane to North Carolina before flying home again the next day. It occurred to me on all of those flights that air traffic control is a remarkable thing that we completely take for granted. With so many flights in the sky at any given time, the coordination required to keep all of us safe is truly amazing. So, thank you to the highly skilled heroes in air traffic control. This frequent flyer is grateful. Now, let's get to Sunday's stunner at Paul Brown Stadium. The highlights began with Cincinnati's second play on offense. Burrow moves under center after being in the shotgun on the opening play. It's a stretch run left. Mixon has the first down. And more to the 50 into Steelers territory. Yanked out of bounds on the Bengals sideline by Minka Fitzpatrick at the 46 of Pittsburgh. Nothing fancy there, just a good inside run and good double team, left guard, left tackle, get up to the next level. Joe Mixon working down the football field. How about the downfield block by Jamar Chase that let Joe Mixon even take advantage further of that rush opportunity? Jamar Chase at the third level getting it done. 25 yards for Joe Mixon on his first carry of the day. On the Bengals' opening drive, Mixon carried seven times for 49 yards. That set up a touchdown run by the other star of the Joe Show. Second down and seven from the Steelers' eight as the Bengals try to score on their opening possession for just the second time this year. Burrow drops back to throw, spins away from a tackler, running down to the ten, the five. Oh, baby, he's in! And Burrow is in! Touchdown! Bengals! Joe Burrow with his first rushing touchdown of the season. A great spin move at the line of scrimmage to get it started, and he swerved into the end zone to score. The spinning, swerving touchdown run came one year and six days after Joe's knee injury in Washington. You know, Highsmith got got some pressure on me as I was able to get outside and, you know, had a little boogie right there. My knee was feeling, my knee was feeling good. My knee was feeling great all day. That was exciting. So the offense started the game with a 75-yard touchdown drive, and the defense got off to a great start, too. Second and seven as the crowd gets into it. Roethlisberger in the shotgun for the first time today. Stomps the left foot. Catches the snap. Drops back. Now steps up in the pocket. Flings it toward the near side. Nice! Picked off by Eli Apple. 
Running up the near sideline to the Pittsburgh 30. 25. Cuts back at the 20. Get in. 15. 10. Oh. He gets tackled at the 5. Oh. Eli Apple's second interception in his many weeks led to an Evan McPherson field goal and a 10-0 lead. The Steelers answered with a field goal on their next possession to make it 10-3. But when the Bengals got the ball back, one Joe Mixon run was followed by five straight pass completions by Joe Burrow. First and 10 at the Pittsburgh 32, the Bengals leading by seven. Burrow catches a shotgun snap, five-step drop. He's going to float it for the end zone, and T. Higgins, he goes up. He's got it! <laughs> T. Higgins wins the battle nice. for the football as he took it away from James Pierre. Touchdown, Cincinnati! Burrow completed 20 of 24 passes. Six went to Higgins for 114 yards. Was it the Bengals' best offensive performance? Yeah, you know, I would say so. That was... You know, I felt, felt like we were rolling the whole day. And, you know, we started to get up by a bunch. We started to play more conservative. But, you know, at the beginning, we were rolling. They certainly were. After scoring on their last five drives of the Raiders game last week, the Bengals scored on their first four drives on Sunday, including a 14-play, 84-yard march that made it 24-3 in the second quarter. Burrow in the shotgun, Mixon to his right. Will they give it to Joe again? They do. Twist his shoulder pads, lunges forward. Here come the officials running in. Touchdown, Bengals! It looked like the Bengals would score for the 10th straight possession when they drove to the Steelers' 26 with a minute left in the half. But a Minka Fitzpatrick interception gave Pittsburgh the ball back at their own 21. Big Ben catches the shotgun snap. Short drop, throws, and it is Pick intercepted. Running it. It. it back Hilt. to the house Woo. for the touchdown. Mike Hilton against his former team <laughs> intercepts Ben Roethlisberger's pass and runs it into the end zone. Cincinnati is embarrassing Pittsburgh so far today. Wow, how about that? An unscripted, unconventional score. On top of being able to run the football, throw the football, you get a defensive score by former Pittsburgh Steeler Mike Hilton. So, Mike Hilton, how did that feel? <laughs> you really want to know? Yeah. Best feeling in the world, man. Uh, that was my first career pick six in my whole football career. So, to do it against those guys in a big division game, couldn't be any sweeter. Peewee, high school, college, first four years of the league, this is my first one. How great is that? It was 31-3 Bengals at the half, and Zach Taylor was thrilled for Mike Hilton. Mike Hilton's a winner. Um, Mike Hilton brings constant energy. We talk about guys who are consistent every single day, and we know what to expect from them. Every day they walk in the building, that's Mike Hilton to a T. Um, you know, he's just uh, awesome to be around, uh, brings a high standard to everybody, and uh, guys just respect the heck out of him. Down by four touchdowns in the second half, the Steelers had to throw the ball, and that allowed Trey Hendrickson to tee off. Roethlisberger looking right, pump fakes, looks back Boom. to the left, gets hit from behind, the ball comes out, Hubbard recovers, and Roethlisberger no is hurt. Uh, it's a fumble, first down for the Bengals. They call Trey it Hendrickson with a strip sack, Sam Hubbard with the recovery, and with that strip sack, Trey Hendrickson has established a new Bengals record with his seventh consecutive game with a sack. Hendrickson has 10 and a half sacks in 11 games with the Bengals. Uh, sacks is sack. They don't ask, uh, you know, how it happens. They ask how many. So it's, uh, it's just a fun thing when you're balling with your brothers and, uh, 
we just we're just loving football. That strip sack led to a 51-yard field goal by Evan McPherson that gave the Bengals a 34-3 lead. The outcome was no longer in doubt, but Joe Mixon wasn't finished punishing Pittsburgh. Isaiah Prince in at right tackle. Here's a run to the left for Mixon. Now looks to cut it back, nice. and here he goes. He runs to the 40, 45, 50, <laughs> near sideline, 45, 40, 35, shoved out of bounds. I'll tell you what, James Pierre, your athletic supporter, is back at about the 35-yard line. I mean, James Pierre, what he was there to make a tackle in space, and Joe Mixon just cut up inside of him, and off to the races he went. Boy, is Joe Mixon decisive and explosive. That's 164 yards following a 38-yard dash there, and that is a new career high for Joe Mixon. His previous high, 162 a few years ago against the Cleveland Browns. Mixon finished with 28 carries for 165 yards. Felt great. Um, at the same time, I mean, without my O-line, without my tight ends, without my receivers, all being bought into the run game, um, it wouldn't happen. So um, as much as it is an award for me and a career thing for me, it's the same thing for them. So uh, I'm excited for everybody in the building, but at the same time, we just got to keep building on top of that. Fittingly, Mixon's final carry of the day resulted in his 13th touchdown of the season. Joe has at least one in eight straight games and two touchdowns in each of his last four. Burrow under center, Mixon lined up behind. Stanley Morgan into the game as a blocking receiver. Burrow hands it off to Mixon. He's into the end zone. Touchdown, Bengals. Joe was stumbling a bit after taking the snap from Trey Hill. But he got it to Mixon for the score, and the Bengals have a great choreographed dance with Mixon and all of his offensive linemen in the end zone after the touchdown. A couple of days ago, somebody posted video from the Bengals' locker room of Mixon showing 330-pound offensive lineman Quentin Spain how to do a touchdown dance. Spain was the choreographer in this case. Big Spain was just like, man, let's do the two-step. Let's do the two-step. So I'm like, okay, temptation. So we ended up coordinating that real quick and you know to really see all of the linemen and other positions joining in I mean that was lit for me so I mean only if y'all knew and really talked to certain people you wouldn't expect Big Jonah to go out there doing the two steps so I mean it was funny Um, I thought it was a hell of a deal and um, I'm just I'm excited for for all of them to be honest. The score was 41 to 3. That 38 point margin would have been the Bengals biggest ever in a win over Pittsburgh. They won by 35 back in 1988. However, with 2.59 left and the Bengals' backups in on defense, Roethlisberger threw a touchdown pass to Pat Fryermuth that made the final score 41-10. to That means the combined score in the Bengals' two wins over Pittsburgh this year was 65-20. to Here are T. Higgins, Mike Hilton, and Joe Burrow on a decisive win. Beating Pittsburgh on a rival, you know, it, it feels good, for sure. You know, um, it's a great team. Hats off to them. You know, it's a great team. But being able to, what you say, 65 points, 65 points in two games, you know, that's unbelievable. You know, we haven't beat them, t- what, twice since, what, 2009? And, man, it feels good. I'm just glad I'm a part of it. But I have a lot of respect and love for those guys. They gave me opportunity to be where I am now. And, you know, I always be grateful to them. But when I, when I came here, I came here on a mission. Um, it, it was to help turn this team around, help them build this team up, and we're, we're taking the right strides, and I, I like where we're headed. Yeah, we're right where we want to be. You know, we have high aspirations this year. 
you know, we can't let up now, though. I think, you know, we started out strong, and then we kind of skidded a little bit there in the middle of the season. And now coming down the stretch, I think we're really hitting our stride. So we've got to keep having great, great, great weeks of practice. And I think we have the guys that are are excited about where we're at but not satisfied. After the game, Dave Lapham spent four minutes in the locker room with head coach Zach Taylor. Right from the beginning, the, the, the stat uh, that is, is most promising to me and the most beautiful thing, 198 yards rushing to their 51. You guys dominated the line of scrimmage from Jump Street. Yeah, when you get November, December football, especially divisional football, it starts up front and both sides of the ball. And I thought our guys came to play today and really proud of them. From start to finish, they really controlled this game. Yeah, they, they really did. And, and you had Joe Mixon go for 165 yards on 28 carries. So let's see, 19 carries in the second half last week. That's 47 for like almost 270 yards on 47 carries in basically five quarters of football. He played three quarters today in, in a half of a game last week. That's just... I guess you know what you have in Joe Mixon, but when he performs like that, what does it do to the football team? Yeah, if he's, everybody feeds off that energy, you know, and, and there's nothing better than getting a good, strong run game going that the defense can feel the, the clock gets sucked out, you know, and, and uh, they're keeping their offense on the sidelines and we're keeping their defense on the field, and that's just a good, good way to play AFC North football. How big was it when Mike Hilton against his former team? He's, I was just talking to him in the locker room. He said it's the first pick six he's ever had, high school, college, or NFL. And it happens against Ben and the Pittsburgh Steelers. That had to be some juice. That was a big moment, you know, because we were, we were trying to end the, the half with, with no time on the clock and points on our board, and we had the turnover. Right. Um, and then Mike comes right around and re-steals the momentum for us going into halftime. That was a, a big-time moment. Teams can't double-team everybody, and T. Higgins got some single coverage and abused it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, over 100 yards receiving. He had that huge touchdown grab. Should have scored another touchdown. He, he got tackled on the inch yard line. Uh, but that's that's the response we've been waiting for for T. He's always been able to do that. Now we just were able to get him the opportunity to be able to showcase that. Joe Burrow, efficient's not the word. 20 out of 24 for 190 yards and a touchdown in the, in the interception that you, you talked about. But uh, Joe, in terms of uh, seeing what to do and knowing how to do it, he's as good as anybody, isn't he? There's no question. I mean, the, the first and second down pass calls, it's just so easy for me just to call it, know that he's going to find the right guy and find the open guy and find his check downs plenty of times when he needed to. And uh, that's the type of performance we need from him today. In the first half, when you guys were really uh, getting it going, on first down, you were so amazing. You averaged like 10 yards per completion on first down, like five and a half yards per rush on first down. You had 10 run calls and 10 pass calls on first down. Were you trying to be that balanced or did it just work out that way? It's a mixture. You know, it, it was uh, in a lot of ways that was the plan. Uh, we just we, we had a lot of belief in what we we're going to do in our drop back passes there early on. And, and you saw how efficient we were in the runs in the first quarter. And we wanted to stick with that as well. So. Um, just try never to let them get ahead and, and get a get a beat on what we were doing. That's even when we're running the ball, we wanted to mix in some good passes in there just just to keep them off balance. Yeah, because if you get in second and third and long situations against these guys, I mean T.J. Watt and Highsmith, they're that's a good duo. There's no question about it. And you guys were able to negate them with how successful you were on first and second down. Yeah, there's no you can't let those guys get off. You know, and it's uh, a really good group up front that we've had to deal with for a number of years now. And, and we know what they can do to a game. And so I, I thought it was an outstanding drive by our offensive line, keeping them in check. So the 1-0 today makes you 7-4, and four, and you're 3-1 and one in the division. That's a big deal. No one else has played four games in the division. You guys have won three of them. How big is it? It's a big deal. You know, every, every game you win in this division sets you one forward and sets another team back. And um, so, again, we've we got to play our best ball in the division, and our guys, for the most part, have done that. Congratulations on a big win today. 
41 to 10, three in a row against the Pittsburgh Steelers, all by 10 points or more. Not eking out wins, coach. Smoking them. We'll take it. We'll take it. <laughs> Absolutely. Love it. Love every minute of it. <laughs> Up next, a home game against the L.A. Chargers, who lost in Denver on Sunday, 28-13. The Chargers are 6-5 and five, and in a three-way tie for second place in the AFC West with the Broncos and Raiders, one game behind the first-place Chiefs, who are 7-4. and four. The Bengals Booth Podcast is presented by Ultimate Bengals, the free-to-play fantasy football game. Ultimate Bengals will be awarding a weekly winner during the course of the season with tickets, autographed merchandise, and money-can't-buy experiences all up for grabs. Find Ultimate Bengals in the app stores. Now, time for post-game analysis with my broadcast partner, Dave Lapham. Lap a thoroughly stunning result from Paul Brown Stadium as the Bengals pummel the Pittsburgh Steelers 41-10. to You were in the locker room after the game. Share the vibe with people listening to this conversation. You know, it, it's, um, it was almost like more expected than celebratory, you know. Uh, they, they were like, we felt like we had this in us, and um, <laughs> they were happy about it, obviously. But it's almost like business, like, you know, uh, we felt like we could do this. This one's over with. We're moving on. Um, you know, the fact that they're 3-1 in the division, nobody else has played four division games. Nobody else has won three of them. So that puts them in pretty good shape, obviously, that way. And uh, with that 7-4 and four record, they were onward and upward. And that, that was kind of like uh, the message. But I, I think there was, there was pride in how it was accomplished and, and how they dominated the line of scrimmage, how they took over. Uh, the football game right away. Um, I think I think there was some definitely some pride on both sides of the football that that way. But I will say Mike Hilton was like a little kid at Christmas, man. <laughs> Big smile on his face. Uh, you know, he couldn't wipe the smile off his face. And that's the first pick six he's ever had, high school, college, or NFL. Um, so he was he was thrilled that it came against the Pittsburgh Steelers and Ben Roethlisberger for sure. Not only are the Bengals three and one in the division. They've all been double-digit wins, 10 points at Pittsburgh, 24 points at Baltimore, now 31 points at home against the Steelers. Now you also throw in a blowout loss to the Cleveland Browns, oddly enough. But I think that's pretty telling. They're not eking these out. It's not a lucky break here or there. They've had three dominant victories, two over Pittsburgh, one over Baltimore. I agree with you, Dan. And then the three straight against Pittsburgh, all double-digit, 10 points or more. So, you know, you have two score wins three straight times. And each time, the margin gets bigger. 10 points, 14 points. Then, then this 31-point uh, win is, is just – it's remarkable. I, I don't think there are many people that, you know, thought that this was going to be how this football game would unfold. But it certainly did. And, yeah, I, th- I think they feel like they're the best team in the division. I think they really feel that way right now. Um, that Cleveland game was just one of those – days that the office is just tough to tough to figure out I mean five of the last six games they've scored 31 points or more and they get 16 against the Cleveland Browns and it's just you know Cleveland scores over 40 so it's just it's one of those days where you just scratch your head but uh, this this Pittsburgh uh, defensive football team is leaky against the run I mean a lot of people have run the football right down their throats and that is so non-Pittsburgh like the Bengals to rush for 198 yards and Pittsburgh rush for 51. That, that in my mind, says all you need to know about the outcome of this football game when, you, when you're talking uh, Bengals-Steelers. 
And the Bengals' rushing yardage didn't come after they had a huge lead. It came as they were building a huge lead. Sometimes final rushing stats in a blowout can be really deceiving because the team that's way ahead winds up with 20 rushes late in the game and the other team stops throwing. That was not the case in this game. Joe Mixon, obviously, with 100 yards in the first half, 165 in the game. His running was the key to building this big lead. Yeah, and and when you look at it, 19 carries for over 100 yards in the second half against the Raiders. 28 here. That's 47 carries for almost 270 yards in five quarters of football. And then, um, you know, he's, he's gashing them too. I mean, a 32-yard run. He's had, he's had multiple explosive runs in, in those five, five quarters of football. So uh, he's really in a groove. I mean, he, he was excited. He, was, he wasn't really shocked, I don't think by what took place, but he was excited about it. And he couldn't say enough about not only his offensive line, but the tight ends and wide receivers continuing to block for him like they have. He, you know, he can't give all those teammates enough credit. And, and then when um, he run the ball like that, Joe Burrow, unbelievably efficient, 20 for 24. Uh, that's, uh, that's, that's darn good, darn good efficiency for 190 yards and a touchdown. He did have the interception, but uh, quarterback rating in 96.2. So I said on the post-game show, the tide has officially turned. And I don't mean that the Bengals are going to do to the Steelers what Pittsburgh has unfortunately done to Cincinnati. I don't see Cincinnati winning 11 straight games in this rivalry. But I do think it is no longer the team that's in your head, the team that you crumble against because of the tension or whatever. The Bengals are ready to go toe-to-toe with Pittsburgh and right now are the better team. They are, and I think, you know, as you look at next year, uh, a lot of these young players with a year under their belt are only going to be better next year, and Pittsburgh, you know, the, the, the most important player is definitely on the downhill, Ben Roethlisberger. I mean, watching him try to move around uh, today was, you know, was painful sometimes. I mean, he's, he's, not, he's nowhere near, anywhere near. It's not even a, a shadow of the athleticism uh, that he once had. And, uh, yeah, it's... I, I think that that the the gap not only is the tide turned, but there's a little little bit of a gap there that the Bengals could continue to widen, and, and we'll see. And I'm not saying they're going to go on a 10-game winning streak either, but I'd be shocked if you know they don't win six or seven out of ten, you know, in that in that 10-game stretch. That wouldn't surprise me whatsoever. Depending on who Pittsburgh gets to be the next quarterback, that's a big factor. There's no doubt about that. Yep, and because uh, I don't think. I don't think their next quarterback is, is necessarily on their roster for sure, but we'll, uh, we'll see. We'll see what they can, they can figure out. Uh, Mike Tomlin has a, has a tremendous reputation, not only the draft, but free agency. You never know. You never know what they're going to come up with. Joe Burrow is about two weeks away from his 26th birthday. If you're a Pittsburgh Steelers fan right now, and you see that, that kid, what he's doing with this franchise. Are you sick to your stomach thinking we got to deal with this guy for the next 10 years? I mean, I think, you know, that's, that's probably – they may be starting to feel what we started to feel with Ben Roethlisberger, you know, when he started to accumulate Ws. I mean, 15-4 and four now, 15-3 and three going into the football game, second-best mark ever. Brady went 16-2 and two in 18 starts against the Buffalo Bills, but – 15 and three by Ben Roethlisberger is number two to that against the Bengals. So, um, yeah, I mean, can Joe Burrow start to string together, 
you know, winning two out of every three kind of thing, that would be acceptable <laughs> to say the least. I mean, I'm, I'm not expecting Joe Burrow to, to beat uh, in, 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 in 20, 20 times against the Steelers to win, you know, 17 of them or 16 of them. That would be, uh, be a little bit much to expect. But uh, I do think that the Pittsburgh Steelers, the fans have to respect what Joe Burrow's about. I know the Cincinnati Bengal fans – had, they respected what Ben Roethlisberger did. They you know, obviously <laughs> didn't like it, mm-hmm. um, but the respect you, you you have to. I mean, it's uh, you know you're fooling yourself if you don't show respect for for somebody that can do the things that Ben Roethlisberger did, and you know maybe Joe Burrow can do some of that too. And just to clarify that, 15 and four is Roethlisberger's road record right. against the Bengals at Paul Brown Stadium, and the Tom Brady numbers were his road record as the Patriots quarterback against the Buffalo Bills. Speaking of Roethlisberger, why do you think he played until the end of the game? When the Bengals beat Baltimore, Lamar Jackson came out early. When the Browns beat up on the Bengals, Joe Burrow came out early. He played to the finish. Mike Tomlin called two timeouts in the final 90 seconds. How did you interpret that? I think it's two competitors that uh, are going to compete no matter what. You know, they're used to having so much success. Uh, They want to make a statement to everybody in the organization from top to bottom that they're not going to quit on on any game. I wonder if Tyler Boyd's comment about them quitting in the first game in, in Pittsburgh had something to do with it. And uh, obviously that didn't hurt the Bengals' effort today, but the fact that Tyler Boyd, um, who doesn't usually say those kind of things, went public and saying, you know, I, I really thought that the Pittsburgh Steelers quit a little bit. Maybe that was a, a statement to show that we don't quit in Pittsburgh and um, we're going to play every snap until its conclusion, good, bad, or indifferent, that's that's you get paid to play and we're going to go out and we're going to play every snap i guess that's the message that they were trying to send collectively and individually i hadn't even thought of that that's really a good point so i wonder now if the nfl is regretting not flexing burrow versus herbert to prime time after that bengals performance today yeah and and um and and really eckler mixon i mean there's 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 a bunch of stars offensively. Uh, it it could be one of those kind of games where you know the fans love uh, forty to thirty seven, thirty seven thirty four. They love those kind of games, and this one could end up being that type of football game. There's there's no doubt about it. But I I, I think the Bengals defense is getting back on track, you know, and it's going to be interesting to see if the Bengals can control the Chargers running game and and make. Herbert uncomfortable because he's been playing pretty comfortably and he's very talented. Man, he just when you hear Drew Brees say that the ball has a different velocity and trajectory and the ball seems to speed up, you know, at two thirds into his throw, he says the ball actually, you know, starts to rotate tighter and speed up because I've never seen that. And when you have another quarterback saying those kind of things, that's uh that's the ultimate testament, particularly a guy like Brees. So um, it's going to be interesting. I saw Herbert down there at the Senior Bowl when the Bengals had him in the Senior Bowl, and, I mean, he can throw it. It's, it's, a, it's a thing of beauty to watch that kid throw the football. He's one of those guys when it comes out of his hand, it's almost like, man, that's, uh, that's just artistic what this guy can do with the football. So he's going, to be a, he's going to be a problem. There's no doubt about it. And the H-boys better get ready to get him off his spot because he's, if he gets comfortable in the pocket – and uh, feels like you can see what's going on down the football field, you get yourself issues. Let me circle back to one more thing. Joe Mixon runs for a career-high 165 yards. 
TJ Watt never got to Joe Burrow. How well is the offensive line playing right now? Yeah, I mean, I, I do think that uh, I do think that TJ Watt was not a hundred percent, but seventy-five percent of TJ Watt can affect games, you know. And, and uh, I, I think I think the offensive line. I, I was not amazed, but I was pleasantly <laughs> pleasantly optimistic by how I saw them reestablish the line of scrimmage down the football field collectively. It wasn't just a guy. It wasn't just a double team that got big movement and rubbed to the linebacker level. The push was big. I mean, Joe Mixon, when he was running inside, wasn't making his first cut till he was well past the line of scrimmage. I mean, he had a lot of, uh, you know, yards before contact on runs between the tackles. And when you get that going on, you have something special going on up front. And I think, uh, I think as a group, this may have been their best performance. Um, you know, I, I know that Pittsburgh doesn't have their studs in there at defensive tackle. They're down some players. But you still have Cameron Hayward operating in there, and you still have T.J. Watt and Highsmith on the edge. It's not like these guys are, are schmoes. And they were, they were pushing them off the line of scrimmage on the interior. And then on the exterior, the tight ends, the wide receivers, they complemented what was going on in the inside running game with outside blocking to let Joe Mixon get to the perimeter. It was, it was just well done. And uh, when, you can, when you can crease the defense in multiple places like the Bengals did, didn't matter if it was outside left, outside right, up the gut, they feasted. I mean, they had a second Thanksgiving. And it was on Sunday against the Pittsburgh Steelers defense. The uh, offensive line feasted on the Pittsburgh Steelers defensive front seven. I don't know about you, but I enjoyed that immensely. Big time. Big time. Every single minute of it. I mean, every time I saw that that line, you know, knocking them backwards, I was like, oh, Lord have mercy. This is awesome, man. This <laughs> this is about as, as, as good a stuff as it's, it's better than watching, you know, a movie that won uh, all kinds of Academy Awards. This is better than that. <laughs> How big was that gallon drum? And what was it of? 55-gallon drum, a butt whip, and they got out one in the second half and sprayed it all over them again, man. They, they sprayed the whole drum in the first half, had to refill and get a second one, and emptied a good bit of that in the third quarter, man. It was butt-kicking time. For more on Sunday's win, join Lap and Lance McAllister for Bengals Line, Monday night from 6 to 9 on 700 WLW. Now time for this week's Fun Facts segment where you get to know the person under the pads. Time for some fun facts with defensive lineman Larry Ogunjobi from Greensboro, North Carolina. In 11 years of broadcasting Bengals games, I'm not sure I've heard a more inspirational path to the NFL story than yours. I have threatened to take my 15-year-old son's Xbox away. I've never done it. But when you were in 10th grade, your parents did that, and it changed your life. Explain how. Um... I think the biggest way was uh, I was an overweight kid. I was about uh, 350 pounds. And my parents, uh, they saw me and were like, you're killing yourself. You're, you're eating too much. You're, you're playing the game. You're, you're just in the house too much. So um, they took away my Xbox. <laughs> Mom was like, nah, this is too much. She took it away. And I was very flustered and frustrated. My, uh, my dad, luckily, I went to the park with my sister and met a coach. His name was Robert Mitchell. The coach said he could help me. And my parents were like, we need help. So um, uh, one day he came over. You know, we talked a little bit, and uh, my parents were like, he's going to train you. So he started waking me up in the morning, training me. Um, I lost about probably 15, 20 pounds. And then one day we were riding by the high school, and he, uh, he was, I was like, what were you doing? He was like, you're going to play football. 
And I'm like, no, I'm not. He was like, yes, you are. I'm like, no, I'm not. We got a little argument in the car. Didn't matter. Took me to the uh, front office. Uh, got the permission slip. Uh, took it to my mom. My mom signed it. I was on the football field that Saturday. Couldn't finish the workout. Couldn't finish the sprints. Um, coaches came up to me the next day. They were like, Larry, we just want to make sure you're still here. And I was like, yeah, I'm still here. But like in my head, I was like, only because I had to be. Um, but, you know, I went through that first JV season and, um, you know, I did well. Um, it got to the point where I went to the award banquet and uh, <clears throat> they were giving that most improved JV player. And uh, at the time, I thought my best friend at the time, Trey Grimes, was going to get it, but they ended up calling my name. And that was the first time in my life where I felt like I earned something and I really worked for it. So it made me realize that football was something I could do, you know, and I asked my coach what I needed to do. He said you had to get faster, you had to get stronger, you had to perfect your technique because I didn't know anything about scholarships. I'm first generation. My parents are both immigrants from Nigeria. So, um, you know, I just I took his, uh, his his lead, and uh, every day after practice, I'd go into the YMCA, and at first I would uh, start, you know, biking half a mile, running a whole mile, then, you know, running a whole mile, biking five miles, and I finally got to the point where I could run, you know, like two whole miles without stopping, bike 15 miles, and my body composition started changing. So I went from 350 the summer of my sophomore year to like 247 the summer of my junior year. But then the coaches got pissed off because <laughs> he was like, you're too light. <laughs> so I bulked back up to 262 for my junior year, made all-conference in my senior year, 267, made uh, all-conference East-West All-Star, had five scholarship offers from Charlotte, Furman, Howard, Presbyterian, and Catawba. Took one official visit um, that was to Charlotte. Um, fell in love with it. It was far away enough for me to feel my independence, but close enough for me to, you know, if I ever needed my parents, you know, being in Greensboro, I could always get to them. Um, and it was a, u- a unique opportunity to be the first, you know, first uh, first class, um, first recruiting class. Um, and uh, I just thought it was a very unique opportunity. And, uh, you know, I, I'm a first generation, you know. And, uh, you know, I, I just it just felt right. So I prayed about it, and uh, it was the best decision I ever made. Um, ended up, you know, going to Charlotte, majoring in computer science and biology, um, and becoming, you know, the first player ever drafted from my college. We're visiting with Larry Ogunjobi. As the weight started melting off, what did that do for your confidence? Um, it definitely helped a lot. It was still different, you know, because, you know, when you grow up being big for such a long time, I mean, it is different. You know, building that confidence and getting that understanding uh, was, was paramount, but it also taught me to always, you know, treat people with respect and understand that you just never know anybody's story. You just never know what if uh, what somebody's been through. And, you know, when you know what it's been like, it feels like to be at the bottom, you respect the top a lot more. So um, being there and, you know, being down and low and then, you know, being the top, um, I, I understood the difference. So You've shared this story in interviews before. Have you heard from people? who are inspired to change their lives because of your example? Um, I get DMs every now and then, and, you know, people talk to me and they, they tell me that, you know, you've inspired me to lose weight, and, um, you know, I took my kids' Xbox <laughs> and you know, all that kind of stuff. But um, um, I just want my story to be one that's inspiring, that lets everybody know that you can do it as long as you put your mind to it, that you work hard, and you just dedicate yourself. You're never going to get an Xbox endorsement. Uh, Maybe PlayStation. (laughs) (laughs) We're chatting with Larry Ogunjobi. You've said that you are a strong believer in this expression, outlook determines outcome. How? Um, I feel like there's a lot of things in life that you can, 
you know, nobody's life is perfect. And, you know, you, you, there's always things that are going on. Everybody has problems. Everybody goes through up and downs. But um, I feel like you can find the good in everything if you just look hard enough. I mean, there's always an answer if you just, you know, keep pushing and keep looking. So for me is that, um, you know, things won't get better if I always have a negative mindset and if I always think negatively. So in order to, you know, determine my outcome, I need to, you know, change my outlook. If I'm positive, if I'm, you know, understanding that if I always look at things where instead of I got to, I get to, Instead of, you know, what is, why is this happening to me? What is this teaching me? You know, kind of reframing things, rechanging things. It kind of puts you, instead of being a victim, you're the victor. And um, that's just how I kind of look at it. So every day is, you know, every day is a challenge. But, you know, you know who holds the pen, and that's you. So You referenced going to Charlotte. They did not have a college football program when you signed on to play there. That's a big leap of faith. Yeah. Um, uh, football was just so fresh for me. You know, um, my only goal is to be the best at what I do. Um, I was very fresh. I didn't have anybody to gauge anything off of. Um, I, like I said, I'm first generation, so like for me, it was just an amazing experience, and I just wanted to just really be good at football. So um, I had great coaches. I had great, you know, teammates like Brandon Banks, Austin Duke, Jamal Covington, just guys that are lifelong friends that you know we really did this thing together. And um, I'm truly just appreciative. And then of course Aaron Curry. That was you know he was a fourth overall to Seattle in '09. And, uh, you know, he was my coach, and, you know, he just helped me a tremendous amount. So you were a third-round draft pick by the Cleveland Browns in 2017. Describe getting that phone call. Um, it was just uh, amazing. You know, it was very surreal. Um, just uh, just a lot of emotion, but uh, just, just a blessing. You know, I, I couldn't thank God enough, you know, to be there in my living room, my friends, my family, everybody I care about. You know, and just being able to just experience that moment with them was just just amazing. And, you know, I can't thank God enough for, you know, just everything he's done in my life. So I, I've been extremely blessed, and, uh, you know. I just, so that's why I say, you know, outlook determines outcome. So, you know, um, you can always look at things, but I look at my life, and I've just seen how far I've come, and I just understand how blessed I am. So you spent your first four years in Cleveland, and you experienced highs and lows like no other team can experience. Basically, in your final year, you go to the playoffs, and you win a playoff game. In your first year, they didn't win a game. You were part of a team that went 0-16. What did being on both ends of the spectrum teach you about life in the NFL? Um, just that, you know, uh, you just got to keep pushing. Um, I think the best quote, uh, it was actually a quote I got from college, and then asked somebody to actually use it here, um, was just keep pounding the rock. You know, you keep pounding and pounding and pounding, and eventually it break, and it wasn't, you know, that last time you hit it. It was all the you know strikes before. So um, you know when you stick to it, when you stay focused, when you when you believe in something, and you just put the work in, I think everything takes care of itself. All right, a few wild card categories with Larry Ogunjobi. According to your bio, you taught yourself how to play the piano. What inspired you to teach yourself that? I just always liked it. You know, uh, there's always songs you know you hear and see people playing, and you just want to <laughs> kind of pick something up. So I just got on YouTube and started you know trying stuff out, and it kind of worked out. Do you still play? Yeah, I have one at the house. So I play every now and then, like Fur Easel and all that kind of stuff. So, Who is your all-time favorite athlete in any sport? Um, Kobe Bryant. Um, just his demeanor, his attitude, how he attacked the game, just um, his legacy. You know, just an amazing guy, amazing player. I got to meet him um, one time, and, you know, he's uh, one of those guys who are just larger in life. Do you have the Mamba mentality? For sure. Where did you meet him? Um, met him in Denver. Um, he came and spoke to us before a game. You wear the number 65. You wore it in Cleveland. You wore it at Charlotte. Is there a story behind the number 65? Um, this is my mom's birth year. You know, she's just my, 
she's my rock. I love her to death. So, you know, um, I got the number, and then it just kind of just worked, and I became the 65th pick, and <laughs> it was just almost like destiny. So, I'm glad I asked. That is an awesome story. If you could meet anybody in history, athlete, actor, statesman, historical figure, who would that person be? Probably Nikola Tesla. I just, I just, you know, he just did so many cool things, and yeah, I, I just feel like he was a guy before his time. So I think I'd want to meet him. See, now that's a great answer. Yeah. Not an actor, not somebody who's kind of frivolous, uh, a brilliant inventor. Yes, for sure. All right, you are off the hot seat. I appreciate your time. Right. Best of luck the rest of the year. Yes, sir. Thank you very much. That's going to do it for this episode of the Bengals Booth Podcast, brought to you by Ultimate Bengals, the free-to-play, next-level fantasy football game. Download it now from the App Store and Google Play. And if you haven't done so already, please subscribe to this podcast, and if you have a minute, give it a rating or share a comment. That helps more Bengals fans find us. I'm Dan Horde, and thanks for listening to the Bengals Booth Podcast.